0: Welcome to this teaching from Calvary Chapel Divine, Texas. Calvary Chapel Divine is just a casual church for everyone. We meet in a common place, and we just simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. One of the things that we do emphasize is the sun, salt, and light. We want you to know and grow in the sun, Jesus, but be the salt and the light in this world. If you'd like to get more information on the church, we meet on Sundays at 10 a.m., on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You can either come in person or watch online, but you can also submit a prayer request. Or if you have any questions about the church at all, you can just go to our website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Uh, Welcome to Calvary Chapel Divine. I'm Pastor Michael. Tonight, we got a special guest. Uh, Gary Robbins is going to be teaching tonight. Just something real quick about Gary. Um, Gary is, is you'll pick up the accent pretty quickly. He's from North Carolina. And so he's around our neck of the woods. I'm from South Carolina. So uh, we usually don't get along North and South, but that's okay. You know. <laughs> but um, the, the good thing is, is I remember the first time Gary, when uh Two years ago, when we were looking at school of ministry, uh, Kevin had came to me, his son, and asked about his dad joining for school of ministry, and, um, and I was like, sure. And so Gary is actually our oldest graduate of school of ministry, but at the same time, Gary, when you read his application and his testimony, is unbelievable. I mean, he's done just about every ministry there is for church. And, and now he's at this age, Joe's he's going to be teaching on Wednesday nights now. And so God is not done with Gary. Now Gary came into my class when we were introducing everybody, and Gary said this, and I still remember it, I may not be alive by the time graduation comes. And I told him, I said, if God put this on your heart to be here, you're at least going to graduate, so we got past graduation, and and I was like, and I told him I was like, the Lord's going to use you, you just need to be ready to be used, and so I I made a promise to him that, you know, if we planted a church, he was going to come teach, and 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 so I for me, it's being able to see two prayers get answered. I've had I had him as a student for a year, um, he's such a blessing to the church. Both him and Miss Teresa are. It just, we need every age in the church They have wisdom that that we don't know, uh, that God can use and, and allow us to use. And I'm sure that's going to come out through the teaching tonight. So, uh, Gary, if you want to go ahead and come on up, man, and I'll, I'll pray for you and we'll get started, man. Father God, we thank you so much for Gary. We do lift him up tonight as he brings the word. We pray for uh, uh, just all that you have planned for both him and Miss Teresa through ministry. Uh, we ask Lord that you just continue to to show him the things that uh, that you want him to do to lead him and guide him and we thank you so much for the Robbins family uh, we thank you for uh, for having him here tonight and we just ask Lord you speak through him uh, allow the Holy Spirit to give him the words tonight allow us to seek application we thank you also for Jimmy and, and both Gary being here giving me the ability to take a break and, and spend some time with my wife and uh and what a blessing that is as well uh to be at the feet of jesus and uh so we thank you for that but i just lift him up i thank you and i just ask these things in jesus name amen
1: appreciate it and uh, i do thank the opportunity to be here i'm so thankful for it i thank mike for letting me come he's a really wonderful person that uh, anyone that gets to know him is is lucky to know him that way uh he didn't mention that i had been really sick a lot for quite a few years at uh, one time, I couldn't even leave for a little over a year before they had the uh, COVID lockup. So that's one reason I said I wasn't sure how well I would be. I was afraid I'd get like a relapse, but it seems like the more people prayed, the better I got. So here I am, and I'm thankful for it. Uh, tonight, he's given me an opportunity to, uh, to speak, and it's about Jesus and not about me. So we're going to get off of that. Just know I love the Lord. Uh, I'm thankful for Him, and uh, He gets all the glory and all the power of anything. Uh, I'm sure most of you realize that and do the same way, that if it wasn't for Him, I wouldn't have been able to do all the things I have been able to do. And I get the blessings from it. You get to serve God and get the blessings. How much better can that be, you know? And He gets the glory because if it wasn't for Him you know i mean he didn't have to even let me help he could have got a rock i mean you know his he said he could raise rocks up but uh tonight i want to read a little bit to us out of a a study out of it's a real familiar scripture to you because it's about uh david and goliath if you go down to that basic but it's about killing giants and killing our giants and with that uh, I had just a couple of verses that I had listed that I would read as part of our scripture and that was 34 through 38 in 1st Samuel chapter 17 if anyone would like to look it up uh, if you're at home want to see it I'll give you one more time it's 1st uh, Samuel 17 34 through 38 and in reading that with us and uh, we'll just go on with that since Mike has had prayer and Uh, Just know that we're thankful again for being here. In uh, verse 34, it says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine said he will be as one of them, saying he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So even Saul was acknowledging that God was going to be with him. David had acknowledged that he was the one that did all the delivering. And uh, we're going to check into part of that. And hopefully when we're through with this, we'll learn some ways and how we can kill our own giants and what we go through. I noticed that it was mentioned about the things that get on our minds and preoccupies. And we can't get you know, cleared up enough sometimes to even think or pray or thinking about loved ones that we have that that are in need of uh, prayer for being saved or just sick. Uh, We want to hopefully, you know, learn some things to help us get by and pass these things in in our life. But uh, paraphrasing a lot of this, I'd like to go back to where I broke this into three parts. And the first part is going to be the lion and the bear. The second, tried frequently. And it's also going to be about the lion and the bear. And then we're going to have the, uh, the uh, five stones if I get that far. I'm not sure that I will that way. But uh, with the first part also being of the lion and the bear, it's the lion slayer. Now, David, we read just about this, how the lion came to him. And if we go back, it's kind of like a prequel. We're going to jump back in time and check what David had been doing, and if you go back far enough, just to touch on it barely, uh, it hasn't been long before uh, God was tired and threw a Saul, and He said He was going to a new person as king, and uh, He sent Samuel out to Jesse the Bethlehemite and had told him to check with him. It. it was one of his sons, and he goes to ask him, and he said that asked him how many sons he had, and he brings them all but David to start with, and of course, uh, Samuel looks at them, and uh, I think that Eliab was the oldest and probably the most that looked like Saul as far as being tall and handsome and uh, certainly adequate to be a king. But he looked at all of these and then passed them over and said, Don't you have another son? And he said, Yes. And he, he said, He's out with a sheep. said, uh we leave him there. Of course, he's young. you got to remember he's about 15, and 21 is about the age that they consider him a man to be in the army. So he's left him that way, and he calls him, brings him up, and of course Samuel immediately said, this is the one, and anoints him. And it could have caused a lot of trouble uh, with his brothers. How do you think your own family would have felt if you had been anointed king or something like that, and, and wondering why he's the least, he's the smallest, he's the most... Um, <laughs> Mild-natured if that's a word for it Even though he's not a he's not a weak person Don't get it wrong He's strong, he's capable I mean obviously you're going to find out He did a bear and a lion uh, That's no small feat for it, Especially someone only 15 or so years old But in this when we find out part of it That he's doing that way We need to look at some of the battles That he went through Before he ever made it to Goliath and some of those battles that he went through on that very day, his father had sent him down to take cheese and, uh, and bread to his brothers and some to the, the people that were with his troops. And he uh, goes there and he takes it for him uh, and delivers it to him. He says actually run. It's about 15 to almost 20 miles from Bethlehem of Judah to, to where they were at battle. They were lined up, and uh, the battle was taking place pretty close to what you'd call the Valley of Eli. Is actually in it, except there's two mountain ranges. One's on one side, a little bit north and west. The other's a little bit south and east. And the Philistines had got on the northern side, and the Israelites had gathered with Saul on the southern part. So here they are on two mountains, both of them with high ground and a valley in between that nobody wanted to go through. You know, if you've been in the military and things, now I was on submarines, so I can't talk to you much about artillery and shooting and stuff, but I believe that anybody would say they'd rather have the high ground. It just seems like that's everything they've always talked about uh, in all the wars and movies or anything you see. It's like harder for them to come up upon you and through a valley. For them to go through that and get to them, they're going to be basically just exposed. And there's uh, others I know can tell you exactly about what it's like to fight. I didn't, you know, I put a lot of time like, well, it's another story, Jonah in the belly of a whale, I can tell you about that. But when you go into this and realize they had kind of, don't you think, had gotten stagnant? One army's over here, one's here, they're not close enough to really hurt each other. Now, I don't know if an archer could hit it, I don't know the territory that much. Possibly they could have shot an arrow maybe and hit somebody or something like that and wounded a couple or maybe even killed one or two back and forth. But it seems more like to me, hey, we're fine. You know, they holler at each other, shout back, holler at each other. It's like two sides of a football stadium. And the game's going to go on in between maybe, you know. And so they're not fighting each other. Uh, Probably not a lot of people. It doesn't give me any indication that a lot of people were perishing or getting killed or anything it sounds like a pretty good setup just nobody wanted to go through the valley and when uh, Jesse had sent his son down there now Eliab had talked with him he heard as he comes up bringing that gift of the cheese and the bread and he heard David and them talking about the Philistine that came out now they're talking about Goliath the giant he was coming out morning and evening he would come out into the well at first I think he actually was probably up on the mountain part shouting and defying God and and saying you know he challenged them he said that it was a tradition one uh, soldier or whatever could call out another one two people would battle the armies didn't have to kill everybody and all this and that so he is up there and he's calling out you know send me one I defy you I defy your host the Lord of the hosts I defy God your God of Israel you know and he goes on day and evening, morning and evening. I wondered why in the evening nobody's going to go out late in the afternoon and fight him anyway. I'm going to go down there and it'd be dark. But, you know, he's, he's toning them. He's, in, he's calling them morning and night to go out and do it, or morning and evening, not necessarily night, to beg your pardon, but, you know, near evening that way. But David gets there and hears them talking about it. And, of course, he's, he's a young guy, and he starts asking what would be done for whoever killed him you know but he's I think he was really mad and uh his brother Eliab had heard him and when he's there talking to him that way you would think and I've heard it other people say that they thought he was really angry with David that he was jealous you know or uh just mad that he was so ambitious that he was so just a kid and he's here bragging he's come to see the army nothing else but i don't think it was really quite like that i think that it was some but i think that he that eliab had enough disdain for david or whatever that he did not hate him he he assumed an older brother role i think you know here i've got a little kid he needs to be put in his place he's 15 i don't want him out he's not old enough to be in the army he should be home with his sheep i don't want him out here uh he's liable to do something stupid and go throw away his life just because he's ambitious. Uh, you know, youth, uh, I didn't realize that till I had talked to a doctor one time about it it said that people are actually, kids are about 21 years old before they get competent enough to really be like calling them adult, not just because that's when they took them into the army there. It's something to do with your brain doesn't fully develop. The smart part hadn't got there yet, you know. you. Which, which of us of hadn't done dumb things road, and ride on a car door to the back bumper bump, or jump on a train or something so you know you don't realize death you don't know what it's like you're not going to die you know you're just going to get hurt but you know that's what we think but anyway i think he really had a love for him and wanted to put him in his place as much as anything to keep him from getting harmed after all he's the oldest brother david was the youngest uh Jesse, by this time, was a very old man. I think it said that he was you know stayed away from the battle and things. It was just three of his older sons that had gone but uh he had a battle David did with his brother now you don't really think about it, but he came to him and he said to David, You know, like you should be home with the sheep. What are you doing here? You just came to be with the the men of war to to see what's going on to be you know uppity or whatever to be a big guy a big boy and then he goes that way and he says uh david his answer to him basically was no why i'm here is for a cause is basically and i'm paraphrasing it some but his dad had sent him take him this there i have a reason i didn't come on my own he gave me this he's brought it to me And he just simply says that real peaceful like and drops it now that probably isn't like me you know I have trouble. My tongue is one of the worst things to tame and temper. I've worked on that for all these years, and I've still got a lot of work. Uh, I don't know why, but I get defiant real quick, and I love an argument just for the sake of arguing. I don't even care which side I take sometimes just to have it go on. But you have to be careful about things, and, and because honestly, what good would have done for them to fight? If they'd have got any kind of argument, no one gained anything from it. They would have just had hard feelings. It didn't prosper either one of them. So David was really smart. And, I mean, you know, I hate to put it that way, but actually he did a smart thing. God had not only equipped him to fight, he'd equipped him to be, I hate to use the word political, but, you know what I mean, not aggravating and going out after someone. He'd given him some calmness to his speech. Well, he had heard this and talked to the the men and things there. He just simply turned away for his brother and started listening to the other soldiers again. And what they do now, this is getting up into about verse 26 on down. He says that uh, they somehow got word to King Saul. Somebody told him that here's this David, this is what he said he would do. So now he's got another little battle. He's going to Saul. And David wants to go. He wants to fight. You know, he wants to challenge him because he knows several things I hope we get into about it. But he's serious, and he goes, and, and of course, he's with the king now. Uh, You can't get much higher up in an army like that than talking to the main man that way. And he's telling him that you can't go out, Saul does. He said you're still too much of a youth, you know. And this giant has been a a soldier and fighting since he was in his youth, since he came up. He said, you're not able. So then what does David do? You know, he's soft-toned again. He's not argumental. He simply states facts. And he goes out to tell him, listen. You know, he says, David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. He's real humble. He just says, I'm just a shepherd. They're not even my sheep. He said, but I did have the opportunity. He said, there came a lion and a bear. And they took a lamb out of the flock. Now, I suppose this was at two different times. Uh, And David goes out and he chases him that way. He said, and I went out after him and I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard. You know, if you can imagine a guy grabbing a line like that. Pulled him down, hit his head, I guess, on the rocks is the best I can tell from studying. And then finished him off with something because all he had was a shepherd's crook. Separate hook any rate he's banging the stick on the lion's head he's pulling at the line. he gets some lion so mad it basically turns loose of the line. i mean to the lamb beg your pardon turns loose of the lamb and turns on him now you think that our biggest foe satan is going to do that if we start whacking around on him like that he's going to turn on us if he gets a chance and that's what the lion had done to him and uh David does that, and he goes on and just simply says, I slew him. And then he talks about how the bear did the same thing, and that he had been able to kill the bear. And he said, moreover, the Philistine, it says, first of all, he goes, he who delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Well then, Saul's convinced because of the argument that David presented. He's done a good job of telling him that way, and he agrees to it. But he tells him he can go, but then he tries to get him to put on his armor. Now this is a king's armor. Uh, he was a tall man. He was said a head and shoulders taller than anybody. Why he would offer his armor when he could have simply said, "Well, look, here's a guy's about your size. Take his armor and go." Uh, The only thing I can say about it, that would have been a great honor to have the king give you your armor to go out or his armor to go out. But what would have happened had he gone out with it, he wouldn't have been able to move as well. He wouldn't have been able to fight as good. Uh, If he had have gotten killed, it would just been an extra triumph for Goliath to go, now I've got the king's armor and shout and holler about that and wave on what he's done. Well. The uh, David had tried it on. I mean, he actually is good because this is a king now. You know, he'd also, when he told him to fear not, he was respectful. He didn't say, let no man fear. He didn't want the king to think and suppose that he had called him afraid, even though it says everyone was afraid. But uh, he tries it on respectfully and everything. And he says, I can't go in it. I haven't tested it. So what armor do you think he put on? Be the whole armor of God, you know. That's what we need to wear as Christians. We need the armor that fits all. One size fits all. It never fails. I noticed in the song it's talking about what he did is he went in the name of God. He didn't go in the strength of, of man in the arm of flesh. He went with the arm of God. The never changing, never ending, always faithful God is what he went out in to attack him that way. And... Um, as we go through part of that now, I'd like to realize that we have some things that we need to try to look at that we can gain from that is the fact that David did a lot of thinking. He did a lot of recalling or recollecting, remembering would be an easier word, I guess, remembering, and he also did some reasoning before he went out to get the results he got. And so he goes through this, and he's he's telling... Saw about what he did with the lion, what he did with the bear. He's looked at these things to himself, and he's realized that the he had only not been tested, but he had been tested frequently, at least twice. You know that's frequent enough for me if you count a lion and that. Uh, he risked everything when he went out. You know that's no small task to tackle a lion or a bear. And uh, on your own, they could have easily sent ten men or something, and it wouldn't have been, I mean, you know, it wouldn't be too much to think, well, that's a fair fight. But he goes out, and he's doing that, and when he's out with him and telling him, and he's fighting that way, he risked everything he had to go out and attack that lion and hand-to-hand basically combat, you know. He remembered that uh, he had risked it all, and he didn't have anything. He went out alone. There weren't any of the other men there to go. No I think they would have called it an under shepherd then, but no one, you know, else was there with him to go. He went alone. That's often the way we have to do things. We go out alone to fight. We have no other, you know, men to go with us a lot of times. I I'm thankful the ones here tonight, but when you think about someone like Mike, he makes a decision. I'm going to try to open a church. Well he's basically going out alone to start with. He's got a few friends and hopefully tickles me that, you know, he asked me to come and be able to speak. But basically, it's a move on your own. And sometimes we do those things when we go out. We rely on nothing but God when we do that. Now, relying on God is is a wonderful thing, but it's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, The human part of us, the man part, wants to rely on our own strength and our strength won't last it'll fade it'll wither it'll corrupt it'll vanish but the the strength of god is never changing it never fails now you know you wonder sometimes well these things that we pray for you know we're going to get into some identifying giants in a bit but it's not always a sinful thing that we have to fight sin does lead to a lot of things but a lot of times it's Simply the devil getting permission for God to tempt us or torment us. It's it's God trying to strengthen us, you know. Uh, part of one of the songs talks about being broken, sweetly broken. And, and thank God we are, because that's how the light gets in. God takes us, and he opens us up, and he cracks us that way. And then we understand God, and we see his strength and his light, and not just our own. But... David had gone out that way, relying on nothing but God. He also realized that, you know, he'd fought a bear and a lion, two different enemies, uh, different tactics, because a bear and a lion don't fight the same, do they? I mean, I've never fought either one of them. (laughs) don't want to, (laughs) but uh, I've definitely heard that they don't. I mean, I see movies enough to know that a lion's down and they're real bad to sling a paw and, and bite you and they always go for your throat so they can end you real quick. And then the bears, even back home, they raise up usually on two legs, you know. We got the little back bears, they ain't so bad like a grizzly. But they can do damage and, you know, they fight and they rely a lot on their paw more than they do their mouth, they smack. But the point is is that he has to fight two different type animals, two different type ways. He's learned two tactics. And God hasn't necessarily taught him like he didn't go to the the school for lion slayers and he didn't go to the one for bear hunters and learn all these techniques and everything. God has trained him and taught him. And when he gets there, he's trusting in God. So he's actually seeing the opportunity as God shows it to him on what to do. I mean, he didn't plan on reaching out and jerking a lion by its beard, I'm sure. But he saw the opportunity and he tackled it that way. We have to be looking at our own giants that way. God shows us the opportunity. First of all, you know, is there anything that God can't do or defeat, even in our own lives? There's nothing. You know, sometimes we let it look that way, but then that's our lack of faith. David realized that if he went out and used the same type of tactics which was being in the right place being in the will of god basically he was a shepherd he was defending his sheep that's what he was supposed to do if he trusted in god god never changes god never fails so it's it's reasonable to realize that he's going to act in the same manner so by doing that he would be able to say well i'm gonna if i can do the line that way i can do the bear i did the bear i can do a philistine basically what he's saying what's the difference they're very similar it's a line after the flock of sheep it's a giant a philistine after the flock of israel they're defying them he's there and he's going like what you know what can i do look for the similarities and he goes it's just a bit more muscle and brawn or whatever uh it's it's just more roar more boasting it's, a, it's not teeth. It's a sword or a, a spear. But it's still basically just one more dumb animal. And he also looked when God delivered him the bear and the lion that he was in the right. Uh, he was in a right relationship with God. Now, when it came to the Philistine, he actually contemplated that, I believe, that he looked. And he knows a couple of things. And one of them is that you have this giant he's a philistine he's he's not part of the covenant he's you know an uncircumcised heathen or whatever as far as they're concerned uh he's not on god's side he's an enemy of god he's sitting there threatening god himself and all the armies how could he be a friend how could he be an ally how could he be god be for him you know so he makes a reasonable deduction that then god is for me He's not for them. He's for me. Now, that's the way it is with our own enemies. God does not want us to have enemies. Now, I don't want to talk. Sometimes we bring it on ourselves by having sins that come in and we don't defeat them fast enough. Little giants that turn into big problems. But He gives us a way out. With everything, we have a way to defeat it. Now, one reason is because I'm going into the assumption, you know, we're talking about christians we're talking about saved people if you're lost then you don't have a lot the devil's got you where he wants you you don't have a lot of experience you don't have any experience with god delivering you yet until you come and and ask to be saved and go through that so you're basically inexperienced and you need to know that it's christ alone that came he's already defeated satan he's gone through it all uh He beat him at the cross, you know, he was, uh, Satan's been defeated. Uh, What do we have to fear, you know, really? I mean, honestly, it's just one more thing, a test of our faith that we go through, you know. It might not seem as small as like trying to control my tongue sometimes, but uh, it's not a challenge that isn't capable of God dealing with. And through us, we can conquer anything that way. Now, as a younger person, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've had a lot of trouble with I've had a lot of trouble with uh, temptations and trials and I've not had an easy life. It, it's funny you can go through things. We've had layoff after layoff and start over and over and have to sell everything and move. Every time I turned around, it seemed like every seven years or so, uh, even up to the point where he actually lost one of my oldest son. It's over 25 years ago that we lost him. And you talk about things that can slap you around and put you down. Now, I've been there. I've been lower than uh, they would say some places, a snake's belly and a ragging wheel were up. I've been low. I've been in a deep, dark abyss. If it wasn't for other people to help bring me out, I'd have never made it but it's still not god's fault god is just as sweet you don't know the love of god till you've had problems and go through it that way and it helps you so much when you do get that way and god can be able to help you the sweetness that you get from the love of god and uh the way he holds you and handles you i mean those are horrible things sometimes but would you change it knowing that love that god has to offer To be held in the almighty hands of god and comforted and protected from anything else the devil can only go so far as 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 far as god lets you go you have to realize in some things that the devil is powerful yes is he all-powerful no only god is all-powerful the devil's knowing but is he all-knowing no only god and so he can't even be anywhere at the same time. He's not all present like God. So if you're getting attacked a lot of times, unless you're really causing him a thorn in it or something, he it's his uh, demons that are actually doing some of the attacking for you. So we need to realize those things and know that God is capable. God is willing. Uh, as far as personal type things, if you let a sin get a hold of you that way or something, you get a weakness for it. Uh, what does the devil offer? You know, I think it's it's called sin for a season or like that. You know, it might be fun for a little while. It might be enjoyable for a little while. But be rest assured, the devil never does anything for your good. Never will, never has. He has one aim, and that's destroy us, to destroy anything that is God- Anything that's godly's, anything that was set up and instituted that way, he he wants to destroy it. So he's going to come after you that way. So why would, especially a Christian, in your right mind, why would you trade up the glory of heaven and the wonderful works that are going to be there and the beauty and the love that are there? Now we're not going to we're not going to lose our salvation. I don't believe that. But why would you? want to switch that for anything just for you know a temporary pleasure that's going to come and go you know now thank goodness that we are christian and i believe nothing can pluck you out of the will of god's hand it says it plainly in romans you know eight it says that nothing can put pluck you out of the hands of god uh it, it says nothing that's principalities life death anything nothing can but what can the devil do he can kind of get in front of God's love and block it. It'd be like a shadow on you from, from Satan. It, and God can get rid of that, and he can get through to you, but it's interrupting the love that he has for you. So we need to remember that when we do have those struggles and battles so that we can do it. We need to have confidence in God. We need to be able to reason that he's the same now as he ever was. That he's going to do those things for us because he's done it before. Uh, a lot of times we've been alone when we were out in things, and you know we made it through. God was with us, so there's no reason it wouldn't come the same this time. Uh, today in this day and age, and and I, you know, I'm just amazed at some of the things I looked up and saw on the internet where. An old man like me i guess i have some trust put into it that isn't warranted you read a lot of things and it's great you know you get some great preaching you get some good music but you get a lot of just pure junk i mean the devil is just running rampant on it i mean there's people that go through things and don't even acknowledge there is a god and they're teaching their kids this and trying to in school and god you know david didn't wait on god to kill the lion. god killed the lion he didn't even have to let it be there to start with but he wants us to show faith and go out and do it does he want us sitting on the sideline now or does he want us to get up and get out and do something you know we've done things before all of us have i'm talking about good things for god we've he's used us we need to be used more not less when David killed the bear in the line, he didn't sit there and say, well, I've done all this now. I'm not going to do any more. I've done enough. I'm going to let Jim do it or John or somebody. They had not done anything in a while. Let's let them do it. Okay, that sounds good. God doesn't work that way. He puts us out in faith. As a fact, he doesn't usually start the process of taking care until after we've stepped out on faith. He's there. He's watching, but he's going to wait. He's going to wait so like we're a kid watch crossing the road well he's old enough we're going to let him go but we're this far away watching him ready to grab him in case the car's coming well god's like that with us he he has full intentions of blessing us i mean what more blessing can we have i mean why would a god bleed and die for someone like us or me especially i mean i'm looking at myself why would he it just doesn't make sense it's not logical but he has done everything that he can possibly do to give us a way to be accepted, a way to conquer sin, a way to come over, a way to resist temptation. Uh, We can do that through prayer. We can do it through the Word of God. We can do it through the Holy Spirit. We have all these things to access. Now, we have these as a saved person. As a lost person, they're there for you, but you don't access it. I've heard it said, someone's talking about like it's like an umbrella. They're there for you, but if you put your umbrella under your arm, you walk out in the rain, you're going to get wet. You know, it's only working when you open it up. We have to connect with God. We have to be aligned with God. If you want to see a miracle or a blessing, uh, a healing, anything like that, and I wished I could do it better because, I mean, you know, I mean, I've had things in my own life and they go, cancer, you go, hmm. You know i mean personally for me a couple of years ago they i got sick i go to the doctor to do a cat scan and they come out and say well you got cancer don't worry about it we got to put that on the back burner and you go what and they said well, we got to take care of this aneurysm in your on your aorta if we don't stop that for a burst you're a goner you know and you're thinking the worst i mean you know and right away do i go oh god can heal this God can stop that. Even if he uses a doctor, I'm not saying God don't go through physicians to cure us. I'm sure that some of them are great and mighty workers that believe. Believers is what I'm trying to say. They're good believing doctors also. But why is the first thing I go a negative? Why do I go? It's cancer. That's the big C. I'm a goner, you know. And here I am today. I'm doing okay. Mine wasn't as bad as some people's. I have other friends that have have passed away and they're struggling now with it. Why can I not connect with God enough to get them helped or get them healed? Well, one thing, God answers prayers, right? You don't know what He's going to answer. Does He always say, yeah, sure, I'll do that. No. We have to get in His will. That means we have to connect with Him. If we're not praying what God is planning on doing, SO BASICALLY YOU'RE SAYING GOD MOLD ME INTO YOUR WILL SO THAT I CAN TELL WHAT YOU'RE DOING SO THAT I CAN ACCEPT IT SO GOD IS STILL MOLDING ON US AND WE HAVE TO BE ABLE TO ALLOW HIM TO TAKE THAT CLAY AND PUTTY AND PUT IT BACK TOGETHER IN MY CASE I MEAN I THINK I WAS BUSTED BEAT TO DUST THROWN OUT IN THE WIND AND HE STILL COME PUT ME BACK TOGETHER IT JUST TOOK A LITTLE WHILE AND UH BUT WHY DO WE NOT HAVE THAT that same faith and that same trust and that same believing uh, I can ask I bet any of you if you have enough faith you'll probably say yeah no I don't mean like to get out and walk down the street and here's a blind guy and cure him or a lame person I don't have that I don't say we will but I'm sure you have great faith you wouldn't be here tonight I don't think if you weren't saved a Christian and having great faith and wanting to I mean I owe God so much you can't repay him But I have so much to pay for that he's paid. I have so much to be forgiven for, it would be the best way to put it. And he paid all that. And you just want to do good for him. You want to give him something to be proud of, you know. And I know that's crazy, but, you know, you want to make him happy. I know if if I've heard about getting crowns and stuff and rewards, I don't know what people think about it, but if I got a, a hundred crowns, I can tell you where they're going. They're going at the foot of Jesus. They're going to go there and they're going to say, Lord, these are yours. You've earned them. You did it. Not me. They're not mine. They're yours. And that's where they go. And if I get anything out of it, it's going to be the fact that I've got something to give. And then he let me do that. So, you know, it's a strange thing. I'm wandering a little bit and I'm sorry about it. But I wanted to get back to the fact that we've done a lot. We believe a lot. We've had accomplishments in our life. We've had giants that we've defeated uh we know there's a need in the world when you look out at what's going on and the way that they're misleading and directing children and i mean to me it's just like evil everywhere uh when we grew up i mean you didn't even know hardly anything bad even the people that dis i mean you know weren't saved and moonshine whiskey and things like that they still had a respect for god i know that sounds crazy you know but they wouldn't sit there and say oh there is no god you know they don't do that they tell you mm, you know and they'll back off you know you oh, you go to church well good mm, and they back off but it's not like that now and we need to as an older person you know you heard mike say too a while ago we need everyone we need people that that old that have experience that can maybe pass on something we need you to pass on what you know as a young adult or a a young parent uh we need you as a teenager with what you've learned we need to share these things how many of us go through a time without even mentioning God to anybody except at church you know do we get out and and take an opportunity at work most of us are afraid to anymore you know do you tell somebody that does something that will god doesn't like that that's a sin no you don't want to call me oh they call me a sinner mm, and they're mad. you don't do that you know and i don't enough but why don't we i mean if anything needs to be done now it needs to be done uh there's in my i'm an old guy in a way i mean i'm not that old i'm just a little over 70 but i'm old enough to know that things have changed so dramatically I mean, you go back before phones, you know, washing in a tub, scrub board, things like that, and watch changes up, and watch these changes in spirituality, if that's the right word to use for it. Uh, Don't like religion. Religion can be anything. But in really godliness and knowing, things have changed so much that it's, it's just incomprehensible. We need to be out telling people. I'm not so old. If anything, I should be able to take my experiences, look at it and say, I've done a lion. I've done the bear. I'm not going to be afraid of a giant. I'm going to get that giant. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to do this. But I'm an old man. Well, I ain't that old. You know, why? God is not, and he's going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I don't have the strength anymore. I can't hardly tie my shoe, let alone go beat a giant. But God can do it, right? And there's no doubt that he will. Now, getting back to your main part of your lesson a bit now, I, that's right, I've gone a little long, I think. Are we okay for a minute or two? Uh, I did want to at least touch base with at least going back to what the results of all this David went through is going out. And we know that the story of David, you know, in Goliath, he goes out. Where they were gathered and he goes out and he goes and what does he take with him i'm going to paraphrase it again uh goliath comes out he hollers for that david's going uh goliath is saying send me a champion he's got an armor bearer well a shield bearer i believe is the correct word for it somebody that would probably have been a formidable opponent for david then just to go out just the guy carrying his shield would have been a formidable person for him to go out and battle with and goliath has this he's got his sword he's got his shield he's got armor on his arms his legs his knee shins i think is what they call it shin guards his everything his helmet basically he had a few weak spots which might be on his hand which wouldn't hurt anything his head and so david goes out and it says that he took you know from the little creek there is a brook that runs through the valley of elah that way and he apparently picked up round smooth we call them river rock and took five of those with him and he goes out and goliath is hollering at him come here come closer come on so i can get you you know not like this one guy i saw and he was saying goliath was poor little goliath was a giant and weak and had some kind of disease and he couldn't see good and had to have a person carry his armor poor david kill i mean you know, killed poor old Goliath. it's not like that you know He wanted him close because they did hand in hand. I mean, he wanted to be in really, I think, in sword distance, even though he could still, I'm sure, I don't know how far they could do a javelin or something. I imagine probably half a football field or something, but he wanted him close. Well, David goes out with just his stick, his, his shepherd's hook and a sling. Have you ever seen a sling or used them in a round rock? I had a rock I was gonna bring in stuff. We used to make those slings when we were kids, by the way. Now, on, if you watch on the internet, don't do like this with it like they show you. That don't work. That rock's gonna go up more than likely and down. They take those things and they can twirl them around and you can hear the leather straps and stuff in them whine. They go so fast. You can hear it whoosh, like that noise it makes and they said it's the equivalent of a 45 caliber bullet when it comes out and hits you know and that's a knockdown weight that's the difference between a nine millimeter that'll really hurt somebody and something that'll they made that during the the war as far as i know the 45 to lay somebody off their feet when they get shot with it Uh, but he goes out with that and he's twirling it we used to and, and they were great they come out and they're very forceful and They're kind of accurate if you know what you're doing, but for us, you could make it and let go and you hit one string or tie that's hooked to your thumb. The rock goes, might go this way if we did it, might go that way, might go that way. Anywhere we threw it, it would come, you know, but once you get used to where to let it go, it'll go pretty close. I mean, you know, I don't think that I could ever bust a tin can with one, let alone a giant's head. But David goes out, and he does that without fear. He goes out, I come to you, he says, without, you know, you come at me with a spear and a sword, and he goes out with nothing. He says, I come at you in the name of the Lord that you've defiled. And he said, this day that, you know, I'm going to feed you, just like he, uh, Goliath has said to him, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and your whole army that way. Now... He put his trust in the Lord. I'm not exactly sure what the Israelites were trusting in. Uh, They had a weak faith at the time, at least. Philistines were trusting more in Goliath, I think, than anything. But when he goes out and he throws that rock and releases it, it sinks in Goliath's head. He falls on his face in the dirt. And what does David do pretty much immediately? You know we have to kill our giants. If we conquer something, we have to make sure it's dead. Now, if you're if it's a some type of a personal sin, and you have a victory on it, know that the devil's coming back with it. He might twist it a little bit. He'll come back. Uh, it, you can count on it. So if he, if we conquer one, we got to kill it. We can't let it keep coming back. Uh, I saw somebody use an analogy that it's like a person on the movies you know and they they shoot them all the time and then they walk up close to them or something and, and there they are laying down they've shot them they don't shoot them again to make sure they're dead or not. and they talk and they call and say well he's over and then they get up and they come after you and they're ready to shoot you and I just walked off of everything but at any rate <laughs> they uh they forget to kill them and they get up and then sure enough they ready go again most of the time a good guy takes gets them again but it's crazy. You kill your giants if you have to do anything. I mean, they taught. I wasn't even really in the, the fighting part of the military. We launched the nuclear missiles that killed millions, not one person or hand in hand. Uh, but they teach you if you have to pull a weapon, if you you know if you pull it, use it. If you use it, kill them. Don't, you know, shoot to kills. What they tell you. Now I'm not going to tell you to get out and do that at your home to defend it, but you definitely don't want to you know, shoot someone and then turn around and give an advantage. The devil definitely doesn't need any advantages on us. So we need to be able to take those tools that we've learned. We need to be able to go through that the way David did and analyze. We need to be able to get out and know that to conquer a giant, we have to realize what they are. We have to find them and name them. We need to name it what it is. Uh, If it's drinking, say, I've got a problem, you know. God's already given you the solution for it, so don't go, I need the victory. You already got the victory. You just need to take advantage of it. God has made it where everything is there for us to conquer. But we have to be willing to access it and do it. So if if it is something like drinking, it can be a problem. I mean, for a lot of people, uh, they even say it can be addicting as well as drugs. But how do you avoid something to start with? Just don't do it. Don't put yourself in a situation where a giant or a little one can start out. A little problem can turn into a giant. Kill it quick, you know. So basically, recognize them. Know what it is. Name your giants, know what your problem are, and then be prepared. You can prepare in prayer. You can prepare by letting the Holy Spirit work with you. You can prepare by reading the Word of God. You be ready to it. Uh, it David didn't sit around and wait on the God to kill the giant or God to kill the, the lion. Couldn't have God sent a bigger giant? Did he not say, oh, here, well, I've got one twice as big as Goliath. Watch this. No glory in it. God wants to see the unusual things. Uh, it feels like he wants to see the miracles happen. He wants to see the impossible take place that people know there is a God, that I am a God. And he wants to see that. And David didn't sit. He ran to the giant. It says he ran to Goliath. He ran to the lion. He runs out after it. He doesn't hesitate. He, he just goes right at it. And he knows why he's doing this, that the battle belongs to God, that he's already said it. Know that Goliath was no more than another amount of flesh and bone and blood and gunt and groar, roar or whatever. And, you know, instead of sword, instead of teeth or something uh, in that nature. Just know that God has the battle. It's one. Uh, God had. I mean, f- figure it this way when. I don't know how long it took God to say that's enough of Goliath getting out and and threatening him. I couldn't find anything that said, oh, God got tired in a day. God got tired in a month. But, you know, he went 40 days and 49. At some point in time, God said, that's it. Goliath was dead when God got ready and said, I'm tired of it. Uh, Hopefully it was the first time. I don't know that. I can't say that, so I'm not going to. But if he can... uh, I do believe that when he threatened God and he threatened the armies, that he signed his own death warrant. And not only that, if you notice, he picked up five rocks. And if you research that in 2 Samuel, I'll get into it, it'll even give you the names of four more of the giants that they go and kill. Now they all were near Gath, which is close to where the fighting was taking place. And I believe that if if they had came and been there, he would have taken a rock at it wouldn't have been one giant it'd have been two or it'd have been three but they weren't there but later on and i think it was as much as over 30 years later they're out battling with the philistines again and they list that they one of the giants which a lot of these were his brothers uh this one implies it's a son had david had gotten weak and he's coming right out after him i mean he's here's my chance i'm going to kill the man that killed him you know i'm going to kill king david i am got him and one of his men steps in while david is weak and kills him they don't use the rock don't get me wrong now it's just a sign they killed him though he, he was killed by it and it tells you who and then it goes on to list another one that was the brother and he gets killed and another one that's a brother gets killed and there's one that it doesn't necessarily i couldn't find a name you may if you if you're better at researching than me Uh, but he had six fingers on each hand six toes on each foot all these giants just gone they weren't even a problem to their men why somebody killed a giant if you can't kill one yourself in your own life look for somebody that has and do it if somebody has killed a giant if you know someone that has fought a drinking problem or that has Fought a problem with, uh, I don't know what, being negligent and going to church or not doing things or controlling your tongue. I need that. I'm bad. I grew up, like I said, in the Navy. You watch me smash my finger with a hammer, and I'll be apologizing for an hour from what cuts loose because I can't stop it fast enough. Uh, it's, it's worse than a Goliath. You know, your tongue is. There's, it's just terrible. But at any rate, getting away from that and closing this up, we can kill these giants. We don't have to fear them. We don't have to fear anything. What would happen if if David had, had died? Or if, if we go out and we put our life at risk and God has come to the point where he says, no, Gary, I'm taking you on home. What have I lost? Paul said, if I live, you know, he said, Christ is with me. If I die, I am with Christ. Our, our life is secure it's not dying it's transforming it's changing from this life and body to one that god has for us so what do we have to fear yes we'll miss our family we'll miss kids we'll friends things like that uh brisket whatever we might miss some of those things but when you get right down to it we're secure i don't know if you have brisket in heaven but it'll be better than you've ever had i can tell you that And uh, thank you, folks. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and close this in just a short prayer, if you don't mind. Uh, And then I'm going to ask Mike to come up. Uh, Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I pray that you just touch these hearts that heard this today and the ones that are listening at home, Lord, that uh, if there's any need that they have or anyone that hasn't made a a decision to, to come to Christ, we pray that they will. And if we haven't made a decision to be fully dedicated, We pray you just touch our hearts and lead us and guide us and show us. uh, Bring us to the person you want us to be, Lord. These things we ask in your precious name.
0: Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at CalvaryDivine.org. God bless.